Warren. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. Thus saith the Lord, It is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, saith the Lord. Right from the book of Haggai, and today on Viewpoint, we see the shaking continuing. The great earthquake there in Turkey today, two great earthquakes, one a 7.8 on the Richter scale first. It struck overnight in southern Turkey, and then another one just a few hours later, 7.5 on the Richter scale, 3,000 buildings have collapsed at least. At latest count, just before broadcast, 1,900 had lost their lives, and they're just beginning to count. An earthquake, two earthquakes, followed by at least 20 aftershocks of significant magnitude, ranging in the range of, say, 5 to 6 point on the Richter scale, all of which are significant. What does this mean? Does it mean anything? Is there any significance to an earthquake such as this? There have been earthquakes all over the world. I have in my hands a very interesting uh, cover story. And uh, it says this, April 18th, 1906. Lessons from the earthquake that shook the world. Well, what earthquake was that? That was the earthquake in San Francisco. That's right. April 6, 1906, the Earth's crust cracked like an eggshell, unleashing what stands as one of the greatest disasters in U.S. history. Unbelievable. More than 3,000 people were killed, at least 225,000 more. Roughly half the population of the city of San Francisco at that time were left homeless. It was utter devastation. There have been many earthquakes since then. In fact, my wife and I uh, recall very definitely an earthquake that hit our home in Pasadena, California. The epicenter was in the San Fernando Valley, but it hit our home in in, uh, Pasadena, California as a 5.7 on the Richter scale and caused our ceilings and walls to crack and our chimney to be broken loose from the house so that we had to engage in thousands of dollars remedial work just to bring the house back into livability. Then on Newsweek, front cover story, April 4th, 2011, Apocalypse Now. Here's the subtitle, Tsunamis, Earthquakes, Nuclear Meltdowns, Revolutions, In the World is Next. That is the cover story, or was the cover story, of Newsweek, March 28th and April 4th, 2011. What is this business with earthquakes? Do they have any significance for us as professing Christians? Apparently so, because God said he's going to shake. He's going to shake all nations. In fact, if you were to listen over again to Handel's Messiah, 
you would remember one of the great uh, arias there, and I will shake. And, of course, the person who's singing it uh, knows how to cause his voice to shake amazingly. And the desire of all nations shall come. Well, in other words, the shaking is going to precede the second coming of Jesus Christ. One of the things that uh, we're told by Jesus himself is that among the things that would be signs, symbols, warnings of the season approaching of his coming would be earthquakes throughout the world, among many other things. We know about deception. We've talked about that. But how about earthquakes? Today on Viewpoint, we want to focus on those earthquakes. And indeed, uh, for those who were in Turkey, for those who uh, experienced in San Francisco or over there in uh, India and that area when they had their nine-point on the Richter scale earthquake a few years back, they could well understand Elvis Presley's song, I'm All Shook Up. Well, he wasn't exactly talking about this kind of shaking, but indeed, the song comes to memory, I'm All Shook Up. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so the question is whether we're all shook up. And if so, should we be shook up or shaken up? Maybe we should be shaken up. Maybe this earthquake that has happened in Turkey, this series of earthquakes that have happened in Turkey and are increasing maybe they have significance beyond just getting our attention and providing something further for the news media to talk about other than Chinese balloons. Interesting. The earthquake was followed hours later by a second tremor, was the most powerful to hit Turkey this century. This is a big deal. A very big deal. In fact, so much so that tsunami warnings were issued in other countries around the Mediterranean. Its effects were felt in Israel and Lebanon. Residents of Cairo in Egypt, located nearly a 1,000 kilometers from the epicenter, also felt the quake, and it was actually felt and recorded in Greenland. In other words, these fault lines really spread throughout the world. In addition to that, videos circulating online show massive plumes of flames erupting into the air in Turkey because the quake ruptured gas pipelines. Oh, that brings us to the possible connection between earthquakes and energy, gas and oil. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to look at this broad matter of earthquakes and the shaking that God said was going to take place, and then we're going to connect it perhaps with the significance related to a prophetic event in spoken of in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. According to Haaretz, which is a... Uh, publication there in Israel. Israel is hundreds of years overdue for a massive earthquake. Hundreds of years overdue for a massive earthquake. Why might that be significant? Is it significant? 
Why should we care? If we're not in Israel, why should we care? Maybe we should care for reasons much greater than any of us would ever contemplate. Just as Turkey was rocked and Syria were rocked by this massive earthquake or series of earthquakes, even so, God tells us that the whole earth is going to be so rocked. And Israel is going to be rocked in addition, in particular. So we're going to be talking about fault lines. Not my fault and your fault, but fault lines in the earth. Israel is situated along the Syrian-African fault line, which runs along the border between Israel and Jordan. It's part of the Great Rift Valley, encompassing the area from northern Syria to Mozambique, and actually then extends up to the Anatolian fault line in Turkey. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. Believe it or not, Israel, the Israeli Navy, a few years ago was preparing for a massive, devastating earthquake. They were preparing for thousands dead, over 100,000 injured, hospitals destroyed, and national infrastructure in shambles following a powerful earthquake in northern Israel. That's what they were preparing for in 2019. But Israel is hundreds of years past due for a major earthquake, just as California is past due for a major earthquake there as well. In fact, they're saying that the African Rift fault line that runs up from Africa up through the Jordan Valley in Israel, all the way up to uh, the northern part of Israel and to Lebanon, is very similar in nature to the San Andreas Fault there in California that runs from north to south. And Israelis are warned to prepare for an earthquake. Earthquake researchers say that statistically another big quake should be feared in Israel within the coming years. And that statement was made in 2011. So, time is running out for Israel's major earthquake. Why should we care? There was an article that came out in 2004. The headline read, The Whole Earth is Vibrating. Another biblical disaster? A case of a man trying to describe something so horrible that words cannot describe it. An earthquake measuring nine point on the Richter scale in the Indian Ocean touched off a tsunami of 20-foot waves crashing into Thailand, Indonesia, India, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, the Maldives, Myanmar, 
Bangladesh and even Somalia killing over 40,000, leaving a million more homeless without food and clean water. It was called a disaster of biblical proportions. And it was followed by at least a half a dozen power aftershocks, ranging in magnitude from almost 6 to 7.3 on the Richter scale, indeed a disaster of biblical proportions. The fourth largest earthquake recorded and the largest since a uh, 9.2 Richter uh, quake in Alaska in 1964, a generation ago. So, we're seeing this happen. Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 24 about the times prior to the Great Tribulation that he called the beginning of sorrows. He called them birth pangs. He said there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in many places. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And we have seen in just a few in, in just a few hours here the devastation of an earthquake out at sea. It resulted in tidal waves and famine, pestilence, and lawlessness that followed in its wake. That was back in that nine-point earthquake that we just talked about. So, the head of Italy's National Geophysical Institute said, all the planet is vibrating. All the planet is vibrating. Now, maybe you haven't felt the vibrations. Maybe you haven't uh, even felt the moral and spiritual vibrations that are echoing across the seven seas of the seven continents, including the United States of America. Maybe you haven't been aware of them. Now, we talk about that here on this program, but it's very few people are willing to comprehend the nature of what is taking place in our world. And yes, indeed, in our own country. Very few people indeed. Pastors are afraid to talk to their people about these things because they're afraid they'll walk with their feet and their pocketbooks, and then what will they do? And so we're caught in a situation where people are just not receiving adequate warning, biblical warning, that is, concerning our times. Now, why would we want to do that? Is it for the purpose of striking great fear into people's minds and hearts? No. Well, fear of the Lord, yes but not fear of man and not generally fear of earthquakes because earthquakes will come, earthquakes will go. The Bible is full of earthquakes. Did you know that? No part of the world is totally immune from great earthquakes, and most temblers are concentrated on the continental plate boundaries, the so-called ring of fire around the Pacific Rim, or the African Rift Zone running from the heart of Africa up through the Red Sea, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River Valley, and so on. At least a million earthquakes per year, large and small, release a total energy equivalent to nearly 1 billion tons of TNT. Energy released by earthquakes per year is only 10% of all the energy used by man. Heat from the sun, which reaches the earth, amounts to 5 million times more energy than is released in earthquakes. Now, this is fascinating information, isn't it? Increase in world population means that the impact of earthquakes on people has become greater. Earthquakes are confined to the Earth's crust. Most occur within 40 miles of the surface, though a few extend 10 times deeper. Stress accumulates gradually as the continental plates move, and mountains shift, and this is relieved periodically through gradual creep or, yes, sudden jolts. 
Earthquake magnitudes are usually quoted using the Richter magnitude scale, and one unit on the Richter scale is a tenfold amplitude uh, increase in the earthquake vibrations, which means that there's a hundredfold increase in energy released. So a magnitude 4.5 quake releases typically the energy equivalent of 100 tons of TNT, but a 5.5 quake, 10 kilotons, a 6.5 event, 1 megaton, and a 7.5 quake of the order of 100. Wow. The general uh, degree of damage from an earthquake depends to a large degree on geological uh, conditions, building construction standards, traffic conditions during the, the shaking and distance to the epicenter. Now, here's what we really need to, to focus on in particular, and that is the promised land, Israel. The promised land, which is in the providence of God, lies immediately adjacent to the African Rift Zone. That's the deepest known break in the Earth's crust. Deeper than the uh, Anatolian Rift there that caused this earthquake in Turkey. Deeper than the San Andreas Fault Line in California. It is the deepest, that is, the African Rift Zone is the deepest known break in the Earth's crust. Now, that's significant. Because a number of important quakes are mentioned in the Bible, many in the Holy Land earthquakes are known from secular history, and they come primarily issuing out of the African Rift Zone. So, that's something that we should know. Jerusalem suffered a severe earthquake back in, 19, in 1546, so much so that the dome of the church, uh, on the Church of the Holy Sepulchre was completely destroyed, as were many other buildings. And the Dome of the Rock was seriously damaged. But a major earthquake is long overdue, both in the Holy Land as in California. By the way, in case you've forgotten, when Jesus died on the cross, the end of his life was punctuated by a severe earthquake, following a strange three-hour darkness covering the land. And then a second great earthquake occurred on resurrection morning. Earthquakes are renowned in the Bible. It's interesting that when we hear the accounts, uh, these accounts in the Scripture, when we read about them and so on, it's, it's like we kind of gloss over things. They just don't quite connect. The prophet Isaiah talked about the earth reeling like a drunkard, swaying like a hut in the wind. Nahum talks about the mountains quaking before the Lord and the hills melting away, the earth trembling at his presence, and the world and all that live therein. In the book of Revelation, I watched as he, he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree. When shaken by a strong wind, the sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Now, that's some kind of earthquake, my friends. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. Revelation eleven thirteen. at that very hour, there was a severe earthquake, 
and a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Then again in Revelation 16, verses 18 to 20, then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man had been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake, the great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed, and every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. Wow. But that's not all. Another interesting time, and there are many, by the way, Another interesting time of recorded, not a historical earthquake, but a, a prophetic earthquake, comes in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. When Gog attacks the land of Israel, my hot anger will be aroused, declares the Sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there should be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground, and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned to summon, to summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the Sovereign Lord, and every man's sword will be against his brother. And I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones and burning sulfur on him, and on his troops and on the many nations with him, and so I will show my greatness." and my holiness, that I will make myself known in the sight of many nations, and then they shall know that I am the Lord. When is that going to happen? Well, it's recorded in Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's called the Gog and Magog War, when Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, gathers together a group of nations secretly, a confederation of nations, to attack Israel in the latter days for the purpose of taking a spoil. The nations that are mentioned are Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, which many believe is Russia, and then also Persia, which is Iran, which Russia now has established a really serious love affair with, and then also Turkey, Tagarma, I believe, and Turkey now has established a love affair with Russia, when in the past, Turkey wanted to have nothing whatsoever to do with Russia. And now everything's changed. And a hub, a gas and oil hub, is being established between Russia and Turkey for the purpose of distributing energy to Europe. So Europe, and especially Germany, are going to be dependent upon again upon Russia and now Turkey in order to get their energy. So, when you think about that, and the other nations, it says, that are going to join with them, including Libya and Gomer, you have to realize that if Israel were to suddenly come into possession of oil, in other words, the oil that the geo, the petrogeologists know is under the land, but they haven't been able to get to it in Israel. But what if now, through some divine fracking, 
through a series of earthquakes, perhaps even this one with Turkey being participant in a series of earthquakes that will open up the fault lines under Israel, including the Megiddo or Jezreel Valley, where the Battle of Armageddon is to be fought, and oil will flow and will cause such consternation, economic uh, consternation, among the nations that they will confederate together to attack Israel to try to grab that oil and gas. That's what I believe is going to happen. But exactly when, I don't know. And please be aware, I did not say that was a thus saith the Lord. I said that's what I believe is going to happen. How Ezekiel 38 and 39 will be facilitated. And that's one of the reasons, friends, why we're discussing this major earthquake today. Listen up. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Israel is hundreds of years overdue for a massive earthquake, and uh, they're not ready. There has been a lot of talk in the last 10 to 12 years uh, among leadership in Israel that we need to do something to strengthen our buildings, to do this, that, or the other, to try to prepare for the major earthquake that we really know is coming, but we don't want to think about. I mean, who wants to think about something like that? When it happens, it happens in a a megasecond, uh, a nanosecond, I would say. And uh, these earthquakes do not last long, but boy, it seems like they're lasting forever. I remember the first earthquake that I experienced when my father uh, took a church. uh, We moved from Saginaw, Michigan to uh, Watsonville, California. And we were sitting in the home of one of the... uh, members of this church in Watsonville, California, uh, after, as I recall, it was an Easter Sunday, and we were sitting there having dinner, and all of a sudden, uh, in their dining room, things began to shake, we began to hear the dishes rattle, and it was astounding. We had never, ever, ever experienced anything like that, and my sister was born in an earthquake. (laughs) She's been shaking things up ever since. Well, she, she might listen to this program and will laugh when she hears that. But in any event, maybe her husband will agree. And <laughs> in any event, uh, that's how we were introduced to earthquakes. And they're not fun, and they'll shake you up. They will shake you up. But here's the problem. I want you to listen to this because there is a spiritual application, a direct application for earthquakes, and that is God 
by his spirit is trying to shake up his church. He said, you're complacent. You're like uh, the church at Laodicea. You think you're rich, have need of nothing, but you're actually poor and naked. So he says, I'm standing at the door and knocking on the door of my own church and I can't get in. Did you hear that? God isn't standing and knocking. Christ isn't standing and knocking at the door of the pagan houses. He's standing and knocking at the door of the church, your door. But will we let him in? That's why things are being shaken. The whole earth is being shaken in one way or the other to prepare us, to help us to get our act in order. It's a physical shaking that brings us to a spiritual recognition of where we are and how unprepared we are spiritually. That's another reason why we discuss this earthquake here today. So for two reasons. Number one, God uses the earthquake to shake up the world to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour, the second coming of Christ, and particularly his church. And he says that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Are you shaking yet? You see, until there is a reasonable shaking among God's people, there's not going to be any restoration of the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. And the secret of the Lord is available only to those who fear him, the Bible says. And to them, he will show them his covenant. You want to know more about that? An entire book I have written to that extent. It's called The Secret of the Lord. It's a hardbound book. It will help you to understand something that we have missed and abandoned in God's own house for 50, 60 years now in this country. And it's poisoning the atmosphere of the church. And our children and grandchildren know nothing about it because we have repudiated the whole idea, including many of our pastors. The fear of the Lord. It's a $20 hardbound book. It's yours for $18 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handing. And by the way, did you know that every single promise in the Bible is predicated first on the foundation of the fear of the Lord? Every promise, including salvation itself. you got to get the book, friends. It's a matter of life, spiritual life. You're going to find out how the promises of God, all the promises, are linked to the fear of the Lord. So if we've abandoned the fear of the Lord, either intentionally or negligently, we have also been walking away from the foundation for the promises that we think somehow we're entitled to. Hmm. Just, just, just thinking, just saying. All right.
Now, if you want to know more about the matter of the geopolitical and oil connection from Ezekiel 38 and 39 that we're going to talk about in this uh, uh, second half of the program here, you want to know more about that in great depth, you'll certainly want to get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain. The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. I can guarantee you've never read anything like it. That's not bragging, it's just the way it is. It's a book written for our times to help us to understand the gravity of the moment and how history has been progressing from Genesis all the way up to our time, and it's this great battle of the nations and the powers of the world to gain dominion over the Temple Mount. It's unbelievable. And oil and gas play a huge part in that battle. King of the Mountain, the eternal epic and end-time battle. It's a $20 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. And if you get that and uh, uh, any of our other books at the same time, uh, instead of $5 each for postage and handling, it'll be $5 for the first book and $2 for each additional book. Okay, now let's move forward here. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to talk about let's go to Megiddo. Let's go to the Jezreel Valley. Let's go to the Great Rift Valley and the Jordan Rift Valley. Israel sits on the Syrian-African Rift. It's been experiencing large quakes every 800 to 80 to 100 years for centuries. So, the last one, the last major earthquake struck the Holy Land in 1927, it was called the Jericho earthquake. It was 6.25 magnitude. It lasted approximately five seconds and rippled from its epicenter in the northern Dead Sea region to Jerusalem and Jericho and Nablus. And it reached Tiberias. The earthquake claimed 500 lives and injured an additional 700 people. It caused massive structural damage throughout the region. That was in 1927. That was the last time an earthquake caused significant damage to Jerusalem. Now, that means that when Israeli publications now are telling us that Israel is hundreds of years past due for a major earthquake, they're not kidding. They're not kidding. But it's going to come. And when is it going to come? See, everybody likes to be able to prophesy when it's going to come. Even the scientists cannot adequately, cannot really predict when an earthquake is going to come. Or they try to study, they have all this technology, they have this, that, but they, they can't warn you in advance like that. They just don't know. They have ideas about it, but they don't know. So it's going to come suddenly. Just like when Jesus comes back, he's going to come suddenly. 
and it's going to shake the whole world up. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that the great men of the earth and uh, every person that does not know the Lord and follow him with a whole heart is going to run for the mountains to hide their face. And the rocks are going to cry out, no hiding place. There's no place to hide down here. They're going to be scared spitless because everything is going to be shaken. The coming of Christ is not going to be a pleasant thing for the most of the world. It's going to be earth-shaking, heart-rending, because people are going to realize, I missed it. They're not going to be ready. That's why Jesus, in at least half of his parables, talked about getting ready, being ready. No man knows the day or the hour, but we are to know the season and we are to be ready. Question, are you ready? And don't answer too quickly. Just because somebody told you you made a confession of faith 20, 30, 40 years ago doesn't mean you're ready. It just means you tried to enter the race, but we don't know if you even finished the race. If you stayed in the race, we don't know that. The Apostle Paul talked about finishing the race. He said, help me to so run that I may obtain. If you dropped out of the race just because you signed up to start the race doesn't mean you're going to finish. Are you listening? If that were true, you wouldn't have to prepare. You've got to be prepared to run the race, and then you've got to stay in the race. The writer of the book of Hebrews says there in chapter 12 that we should help us to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, why, why would you do that if you're not running the race? If you just started the race 20, 30, 50 years ago, and you've been sitting on your laurels ever since, thinking you could live however you wanted to. You didn't have to be ready for the great earthquake. Come on, my friends. It's time to wake up and to be shaken up. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. We're talking about the great shaking. We're talking about fault lines. We're talking about preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. We're welding it all together in one composite because all of these things need to be discussed together. 
in order to have a proper understanding of what the Bible has to say about earthquakes and why we need to understand them and be aware. Now, the Dead Sea Transform fault system, sometimes referred to as the Dead Sea Rift, is a series of faults that run from the Maris Triple Junction uh, with the East Anatolian Fault in southeastern Syria to the northern end of the Red Sea Rift. Oh, now wait a minute. Do you know what we just read? Wikipedia is telling us this. It says that the Dead Sea Transform Fault System, referred to as the Dead Sea Rift, is a series of faults that run from the East Anatolian Fault in southeastern Turkey, where this massive earthquake just occurred, to the northern end of the Red Sea Rift, and the fault system forms the transform boundary between the African plate to the west and the Arabian plate to the east. This is the area that is the extension of the Great African Rift Fault, which is the deepest fault in the world. Its deepest part is in Africa. And right as we speak, scientists well understand that Africa is splitting through that fault, literally splitting. And people can stand on each side of the, of the, uh, the fault line and almost watch and hear it splitting as they stand there. It's pretty scary. I've seen pictures of it. But generally speaking, people are not aware that these fault lines are moving because they're so gradual. It's just like what happens in the moral and spiritual sphere uh, in the church, in your home, in our country. Talk about, analogize it to the frog being boiled in the kettle. You see, if you turn the heat up gradually, the frog will not jump out. He just doesn't realize, it doesn't dawn on him that he's being cooked alive and that his demise is not far off. The same is happening in the church. The same is happening in our country. It's happening all over the world. And people are not getting the message. They don't understand. And pastors are afraid to teach and preach it because they're afraid the people will walk. And then what will happen to my ministry? See, it's in some respects, it's about power, perks, and position, just like it was in Jesus' day. You know what crucified Jesus? It was the religious leaders who were more afraid of losing their position with Rome than they were of losing their position with God. That's right. They said, you know, if, if we don't if we don't stop Jesus, then the Romans are going to come in and they're going to take away our place from us. And Pontius Pilate, that crusty Roman governor, knew he saw right through it all, and he said it was but for envy that they brought him. It wasn't so much that they were opposed to what Jesus did. 
They were opposed to the influence that he had that was taking the focus off of them because they were illegitimate leaders. They were only formalistic leaders, but they were not truly spiritual leaders. So when the people who heard Jesus, they said this, he speaks, he speaks differently. He doesn't speak as one of the scribes, one of these religious leaders. He actually speaks like he knows what he's talking about. Hmm. He didn't borrow his sermons and his messages from the internet like some of our pastors today. Oh, you didn't know that? One pastor of a megachurch actually had to resign because he was caught doing it. Now, I divert. Let's get back to the Great Rift Valley. A series of geographical trenches, approximately 3,700 miles in total length, that runs uh, from uh, the uh, Becca Valley in Lebanon, in Asia, to Mozambique in Southeast Africa. So the term most often used to refer to that valley is the East African Rift. So, what we're talking about now is the East African Rift that is made up now, coming from Lebanon, down north of Israel and south of Turkey, to connect with the Dead Sea Transform, the Jordan Rift Valley, the Red Sea Rift, and the East African Rift. So it's one massive long fault line connected to the Anatolian East Anatolian Rift in Turkey which is where this massive earthquake or series of earthquakes has just taken place. Now, can you understand why I would think that this would be significant to us to understand from a biblical standpoint and connection? It's not just about information, friends. The information is fascinating, isn't it? It's what the information means or should mean to each one of us that should grab our attention. And that is, it should mean that we need to get our act together. We need to get ready because Jesus is coming. And when he comes, if you think that things are shaking up now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Are you listening? It's not being said to terrify you. The Bible talks about this. Jesus talked about this. The apostles talked about this. The book of Revelation talks about these things. Now let's go to Ezekiel 38 and 39 for just a moment. We alluded to this earlier. Ezekiel 38 and 39 are talking about a confederation of nations that uh, just before, well, sometime between now and the coming of Christ, these nations are going to confederate together because they realize that something dramatic has taken place that's put their economies and power at risk. What is that? Well, the Bible says that they're going to attack Israel in the latter days to take a spoil. When Israel is in relative peace, from Israel's perspective, by the way, they are in the greatest peace right now that they have ever been in for eons. That's their belief. You may not think so, but that's what they think. Peace. 
And they're in the midst of all these fault lines and all these other nations that hate their guts, including the United Nations. But they believe they feel like they're at peace. So this is that moment. So what would drive this? Well, God's divine fracking. Taking a series of these earthquakes and opening up the tectonic plates below the surface of Israel that have been hiding, protecting the discovery or not just discovery, but realization of the flow of oil that is there, that the petroleum geniuses know is there, attest to being there, and they haven't known how to get to it. As we speak, Zion Oil, founded by John Brown in uh, 30 years ago, they're drilling in the Megiddo Valley underneath, just not very far uh, from the uh, hill of Megiddo, in the Jezreel Valley where the Battle of Armageddon will be fought. That's where they're drilling in a 90-acre leasehold that they've gotten from Israel. What if all of a sudden, after 30 years, God says, okay, I appreciate your faith, your diligence, and now's the time to open up the fissure. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this is a thus saith the Lord, friends. But it seems very realistic that God would use, you could, we'll call it divine fracking, to reveal that which has been hidden and given to all of the surrounding Arab nations and Muslim nations, and now all of a sudden is in Israel's possession, and they are jealous, envious, and cannot and are unwilling to take it. And so they conspire together to attack Israel to take a spoil. Think about it. Now, before we conclude, very quickly, we are told uh, by the prophet Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 14, that God will gather the nations to Israel or to Jerusalem to fight against them. The city is going to be captured, the houses ransacked, the women raped, half the city is going to go into exile, but the rest of the people are going to be taken from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, where the African rift comes right down through there, and the Mount of Olives will split in two from east to west, forming a great valley. And he said, you will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And it's going to happen. For now we're in the birth pangs. How far along the birth pangs are we? You don't know, and I don't know, but we're told from Jesus' viewpoint that these things should not take us by surprise but we should be able to see and understand the implications, not just the facts, but the implications morally, spiritually, 
and should be teaching and preparing our children and our grandchildren, not leaving it to some idle folk in a Sunday school somewhere or in a youth group that are more interested in entertaining the children than they are in preparing their lives for history's final hour. So the question then is, how serious are you? How serious are you about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Isn't that really the big question? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Isn't that what he said? Of course, that's what he said. Now we're going to conclude with Hebrews chapter 12. See that you refuse not him that speaks, that is Jesus. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth at Sinai, with a shaking at Mount Sinai, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. That those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us, you and me, have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like the God that you know, but that's the God of the Bible. Let us have grace. That's his enabling power, his unmerited favor, but his enabling power to equip us to do his will until Jesus comes and to prepare the way of the Lord in those with whom we have account, our kids, our grandchildren, pastors with your, with your congregations, no matter what the risk. Remember, it's not about your kingdom. It's his kingdom. It's not your church. It's his church. He said, I'll build my church. You make disciples. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Get a copy of the book, The Secret of the Lord. Also, uh, King of the Mountain. I think you'll be blessed by those books. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 